John, how are we? Welcome to another episode of All Things Red. On today's show, I have Kelsey Henderson. Kelsey and I met uh, through Esther Gabriel, one of my best friends, as they played lacrosse and went to school together at Oswego. Kelsey, how are we? I'm great, John. How are you? I'm good. How was uh, how was your sister's game last night? She was. It was so awesome. That's the first time I've actually ever seen her play live, so it was really exhilarating and, and a good good opportunity to see her play, even though it was raining. Where uh, where she play again? She's at Geneseo. So we uh, okay. we overlapped pretty aggressively um, when I was in college. She was in high school, and then after I moved to Texas, I didn't have an opportunity to come up and see her. So I had to make sure that I got got up by her senior year and got to see her play. Yeah, and then your bro- your brother didn't play lacrosse, did he? He played basketball, right? Yeah, yeah, he played basketball at St. John Fisher. Yep. Oh, okay. So, like, with all you guys playing sports, like, were you guys, like, was the household competitive growing up? Oh, definitely. And I was, like, I hate to say it, but it's definitely true. I was definitely the odd man out. My brother and sister are way better athletes than I am. Um, just, they were given this insane height that I was not not gifted with. Um, not to say that that's the, the only true aspect of being an athlete, but uh, did not get blessed with the, the height gene that they got. Oh, well, I, I think aren't you're taller, aren't you? Or no, I'm like five, six, five, seven on a good day, but Ryan's like six, five and Megan's like five, ten. So I was going to say your brother's pretty tall. Cause yeah. I'm, I'm six, four. And when I stood next to him, he was a little bit taller than me. Yeah. Yeah. He's a, he's a big boy. Yeah. So, um, all right. So you, like I said, like I met you cause, uh, I would always go up to Oswego to visit Esther and you and Esther are pretty good friends and you played lacrosse at Oswego. Like why, like getting right into it? Like why Oswego? Like what? I mean, cause I'm sure you got recruited by other schools and there was other schools you were looking at, but like, why, why'd you decide on Oswego? Yeah. Um, actually this is a really funny story. Um, a probably like 11th grade, I, was really not thinking that I wanted to go to school for sports. I actually thought I wanted to go to school for music um, just because I like was kind of chunkier and hadn't really gone through any sort of development in terms of my like athleticism or any of my, you know, like parts of my life that had to do with athletics. It was always kind of a back burner thing. And then by my senior year, I started getting really into soccer. I was playing like with a lot of different club teams and, you know, jumping into tournaments. And I ended up actually getting recruited to play soccer at Oswego. Um, and I got recruited, at, recruited at a few other schools for lacrosse. Um, Villanova told me that I would sit on the bench, but I would be welcome to come there. Scranton wanted me. Um, they just wouldn't, couldn't give me a ton of money. Um, so I just, you know, wanted to go to a SUNY school with a really great business program, um, and the ability to play soccer. And that's kind of what happened. And then as the soccer season started taking off, I was <laughs> like sitting on the bench, like Villanova told me I would do. And one day I looked over and the lacrosse team was playing and I was like, screw this. I'm going to try out for the lacrosse team. So I literally left our two person or two lane line going back to the locker room from a soccer game, walked up to the, to the captain who happened to be uh, Esther at the time. And I said, Hey, <laughs> uh, when are your guys walk on tryouts? And she was like, Oh, they're tomorrow. And I was like, Oh, got to call my parents. So my parents met me halfway with all my gear and I tried on, tried out for the team and I was a starter. And I kind of looked back at, at the soccer team and was like, all right, See you later, and I kind of just went with lacrosse the rest of the way. Was she uh, was she a hard ass as a captain? Esther and I are so similar that I don't think I looked at her as a hard ass. I think I I've always looked up to her as a role model. Um, I never anything that Esther said was like God's word. So if Esther said it, <laughs> if Esther said it, we did it. 
Um, and that's the, that's the perfect kind of leader and, and captain that you want. I mean, she was a captain from such a young age. Um, and like, she was, I think she was a sophomore captain, which is unheard of. Um, so just such a good role model, such a good person. And honestly, now, like she's such a great person to look up to graduating from Syracuse law, being an associate already. She's, she's killing it. Yeah, no, she's, she's definitely the real deal, but it's just funny though, because like, I mean, obviously like, you know, from playing with her and her being the captain, like when it comes to like being serious, like she's all business all the time, but like, I like to fuck with her sometimes and just be like, all right, relax. Like, right. it's not that big of a deal, but like, obviously like all the things she's been able to accomplish, like, that's why. Right. right. Um, but like, you know, kind of going back to like the Villanova thing, like knowing, I mean, this is like jumping ahead a little bit, but we'll come back. But like knowing everything that you know now, obviously you wouldn't give up your time at Oswego, but like, you know, going on the whole notion of like school as a whole, like, do you ever, like, do you ever look back and are like, yeah, maybe I should have just went to Villanova and sat the bench and uh, got a degree from Villanova and, you know, worked, worked that networking um, with the alumni and stuff like that? Or is that not something that ever crosses your mind? That's not something that actually ever really crosses my mind. Unfortunately, I think college is just one of those things now where it's 25, 30 years ago. It was like, oh, you graduated from high school. Now you can get a job. It's and it didn't matter where. Now it's the same thing with undergrad. It's like, okay, you graduated from undergrad. Uh, where can you get a job? And, you know, I think the only time that those alumni networks really matter is massive schools. Like after living in Houston, Texas A&M has a huge pool of people that they can they can use for all of their, their recruitment for jobs. And, you know, Ivy is the same thing. Like all of their endowment money is used helping kids get jobs and, you know, using their network. And I think after looking back, at my experience at Oswego, I graduated with limited debt. I had such an amazing time. I was able to get two, you know, a bachelor's in both political science and marketing at the same time while playing sports, while enjoying myself. I think if I could look back, you know, at my 18 year old self and gave advice, I don't think I would have changed anything that she did. Um, I think the only, the only thing that I would have changed was not going into school as a psych major because I had to take a bunch of classes that were just absolutely dumb. But I mean, other than that, I, I think it was a great choice what we what we all did and the decisions we made at that point. Yeah, absolutely. Because like um, Hobart, it wasn't Ivy League, but it was like kind of like to the same like type of standard that like Georgetown and a school like that is. And the like endowment money and like the alumni connections were so massive that like if you're in that network, like they literally will like try to get Hobart alums jobs in like New York City and like a lot of alums like the one alum from Hobart was I think like the the guy that wrote Glee on ABC um and there was like a lot of like big names that have come out of Hobart in like jobs and stuff like that so like I always like after having that experience and then like transferring to Mercyhurst where like you know no knock on Mercyhurst like the the career service center and the networking and all that shit was not nearly as good as like Hobart's was but like so like with that being said having that experience and you know that eye-opening um to both sides I'm always just I like kind of a part of me always thinks that like college is a part of college is like one massive like networking and social club because it's like like you said at like these big schools like Texas A&M that like if you're in that network you can reach out to so many different people and just because you're an alum and you went to school they'll try to get you a job right right so, so, but like overall, like what was your experience like at Oswego? Like, did you love it or? Yeah, I, I definitely loved it. I don't think I'm, I mean, now being 26 and, you know, having my feet on the ground completely, I, 
I don't understand. I, I, like I said, I went to visit my sister yesterday and they just did like a team thing and girls were taking like swigs out of handles of vodka. And I just, it made me <laughs> physically ill. And I just don't understand how we did that frequently. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, I enjoyed every piece of my time at Oswego. I enjoyed my teammates, all my friends that weren't on my team, all my classmates. I had so many amazing professors and, and role models at the school and I, I really enjoyed my time at Oswego. I think the only thing that I would have changed is the weather. If I could have anything else yeah. different, it would have been it would have been different uh-huh. weather. But yeah, that's it. Yeah, no, exactly. I, I remember a couple of, like I I came up a bunch of times, and then like even like Harbor Fest in the summer, it's a fucking shit show there. Yeah, but in a good way. Right, right. But in a good way, it's like uh, it's and I find like especially like with going to Mercyhurst and like Erie, I feel like some of those like not saying that Oswego is like run down, but like almost like those like in a way run down like little old industrial type towns like that's where like the best like fun is to be had right because there's really nothing else to do yeah i never had anyone leave oswego and be like i didn't have a good time everyone is like raving about the time that they had there and even if we didn't do anything crazy like the bars are always fun the house parties are always fun there's always so much to do and you know who doesn't enjoy like really bad yeah. mexican you know who doesn't who doesn't love that no exactly that's like anytime esther was like you want to come up we have a form i'm like fuck yeah say less i'll be there tomorrow (laughs) (laughs) but um so after college you you took off and you went to houston right away right right away yep i did a cross-country road trip and went on a cruise as like a graduation thing for myself um and then july right after july 4th weekend i moved to houston so did you go there for uh, a specific job or were you just like uh i want to i want to leave I want to leave Cas. I just don't know where I want to go. And Houston seems like a cool place or like what, like what got you to Houston? Yeah, I actually had a job offer. Um, so I moved down there for, I didn't want to give up lacrosse yet at that point. And I got a job offer with a company called 3D lacrosse. They're like a national club organization and they had no, uh-huh. they had no Texas market for girls. And one of my assistant coaches recommended me for the job. She was recruited to, to do the job and she ended up getting a head coaching position at the college and she mentioned my name to the, um, like the global manager, the U.S. manager, and they reached out to me and I went down to Houston and did a visit and had my interviews and it was a good fit. And I decided that I was going to do it for a little while, move somewhere new, warm, emphasis on warm, um, and give it a uh-huh. shot. And it was a great learning experience. Um, I didn't get much vacation time and I didn't get paid very well, but you know, I met a ton of people. I expanded my network immensely. I felt like kind of the mayor when I had been done, when I was done with 3d, I feel like I knew so many people (laughs) down there already. And it was awesome. Like it was such a great way to kick off moving to a new place. Um, like having friends and I ended up being like friends with some of my players, parents, which is a little bit weird, but it's nice to have just like other companions and they were all in the professional world. And I coached at a really affluent high school. So all of their parents had connections with different organizations of whether it be like a big four or marketing agency or, you know, an oil and gas company, they had so many great connections and just even having them like on my LinkedIn portfolio was a big deal. So that was a, it was a great opportunity, but I think I was only there for like less than a year, maybe 10 months um, because I just could not physically like take that type of workload anymore it it felt like I almost went to college for nothing at that point and I wasn't using anything like any of my academia that I learned and I really really wanted to get back to using my brain so uh that's when I decided to forego my opportunity I continued coaching still but I I moved on to a different a different role after that 
Yeah, it's kind of crazy because like our like our story, we have like very like similar story. Like I I thought you were in Houston for long. I thought you were in Houston for almost like two years. I was in Houston for almost four years. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Because I was just yeah I was gonna say because you said ten months and I'm just like wait a second. No 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 I, um, I took a different I like stayed in Houston doing I worked down there for yeah I just left in September so it was almost I guess like three and a half years yeah. Yeah, I was about to say now like for me like when I was in Boston. I only went there because my my buddy Mark, he was like he came to visit me in Mercyhurst and, you know, he saw that I had like shit in my room, like looking at different places that I wanted to move because I wanted to get out of Buffalo for a little bit. And he was just like, just come to Boston. And I'm like, all right, fuck it. Like, I've never been to Boston. But if you want to get an apartment together, then say less, I'll do it. But I don't know how you feel about this, but it, it's funny because like that ended up like looking back, like I think that was one of the best things that ever happened to me because I didn't really have a plan, but like once I got there to like your point, like I was meeting so many different people. I was expanding my network. I was learning so many different things that I don't think that I would have had some of the opportunities I've been afforded if it wasn't for me, you know, originally going there, meeting those people and expanding my network. Because if I never was there in the first place, I never would have had those network connections. Was that something that like kind of happened to you or yeah, like, what's your thought on that? Definitely. I, I think something that I've been trying to live by recently is, I try to say no a lot less. I, I just want to jump, mm-hmm. you know, jump in head first, definitely head first to make sure that I'm, you know, using my brain. Um, I know a lot of people say that they jump in feet first. Um, I just, I think saying jumping in head first is a little bit of a smarter way to look at things because you're, you're making an educated decision, but you're also taking a risk on yourself because um, you don't know how deep that pool is. And I think it's, I think it's really smart to, to try new things and explore new avenues and, you know, navigate different terrain that you haven't been a part of yet. And I think those opportunities only come if you're able to take those risks on yourself. And if you just stay at home and, you know, cater to your, you know, network of a hundred people, that network's not going to grow. So making sure that you're out exploring and learning different areas is, is really important to everyone's growth. Why do you think, um, just like your personal opinion, like, why do you think that so many people don't do it? Because like, um, and I don't, I'm not saying this to like toot my own horn. That's not like where I'm going with this. So if that's how it comes across, that's not accurate. But um, I, like when I was in Boston, I had, and then even like when I moved to Denver briefly, or even like we're starting this podcast now, like tons of people have like hit me up that like I'm friends with and being like, dude, I think it's so dope that like you have the courage and balls to just go try new shit. And I'm just like, well, and like, I even said to my mom the other day, I'm like, or I said it to her last night, actually, when we were eating dinner, I'm just like, I'm like, so many people are DMing me on Instagram being like, I think it's so cool what you're doing with this podcast and like, and and like all this and that. And I'm just like, I don't understand like why there's like an emphasis on it. Like you can just do the same fucking thing yourself. So like, um, but then again, like me and you are, I feel a little bit wired a little bit differently than the norm, but, and, and not saying that in a bad way, but like from your personal opinion, like why do you think people are so hesitant to like try new things and just say, fuck it and go explore? I think people are really hesitant to get out of their comfort zone. I think once people are comfortable and you know, they know their area, it's, it's a little bit harder to, to dig yourself out of that hole and people that are able to just say, you know, screw it and fly free. They're the ones that find those new, those new passions and new fun things that they're a part of. And I I don't, I don't know. I I can't really sit here and answer correctly why, you know, people want to stay in one place. I don't know if it's, they're scared of the unknown or if they're comfortable being comfortable. Um, But personally, I'm more comfortable being uncomfortable. I have like trained myself especially recently to put myself out there and 
have awkward conversations with people that I don't know to learn new things. And I picked up a bartending job. Now that I live in Baltimore, I, I just wanted to meet new people and try new things. And I'd never bartended before. And my social skills, not that they were, you know, not great before. Um, I've always been extremely social and outgrowing, but be, doing this type of job, like having to deal with every single type of personality versus dealing with the personalities that I choose to deal with. It's, it's gr made me grow so much and learn so much. And, you know, you, you learn how to deal with every type of person versus just the person that you're choosing to, to interact with. Um, so going, moving back to your question about why are people scared and apprehensive to do those things? It's probably because they are frightened of the unknown. And a lot of people just don't want to get out of their comfort zone at that point. Yeah, it's it's kind of funny too, because like, I remember the first time I met you, um, you were just like super over the top, but not in a bad way. Like you were just like, hi, I'm Kelsey, like that and like super outgoing. And I remember saying to Esther, I'm like, yo, what the fuck is wrong with that girl? Like, why is she so like bubbly? And like, she's so like, like, and, and Esther was just like, well, what do you think you come across as? Because that's how you are with everyone. And I'm like, oh. But I never, but like at the same time, I've never like, you know what I mean? Cause I think the same thing. I'm like, I'm not, I don't like being like, Hey, what's up? Like, no, I'm just like, Hey, what's good? Like, and like get right into it with people. And it, it was like funny. Cause the first time I met you, that's how it was. And you weren't, she, she was just like, obviously like, she was like, Oh, this is like my good friend, John. So like you probably like me were like, Oh, if it's a good friend of yours, then I'm gonna treat him like they're a good friend of mine too. So like, Hey, what's up? Right. Right. <laughs> but yeah. And I, I just think I thought that was funny. Now, like when you were in Houston, um, you were outside of 3D lacrosse, you were do, you were working for Corn Ferry, correct? Yeah. So um, I actually took a sales job in the interim. Um, I had been interviewing for Corn Ferry for a while. Um, it's kind of a perfect for me personally. It was a really great niche between um, I really enjoy sales and business development and all of that type of stuff. But I also am I have a huge passion for uh, kind of like a personal development growth type thing. So it was a really great niche for me, the ability to help people um, tailor their resumes, their CVs, giving interview prep, conducting interviews, doing the research behind everything that goes into a client. And then also, you know, doing BD, talking to people at huge companies that I would never have the opportunity to talk to, you know, otherwise. Um, it was just such a great niche for me. But before I got to Corn Ferry, they really wanted some management experience um, so I took a job as a territory manager for a sales company doing logistics consulting. Um, and I was there for about a year in Houston. Um, and as soon as I hit my year mark, Corn Fair was like, all right, great. Um, offered me the job and, and I jumped over and I, I do feel a little bit guilty, you know, using uh, my other company. I'm going to leave them un, unnamed as a, as a stepping stone. But if, you know, if they're the type of company that I think they are, which is like heavy hitting, you know, grind it out, work hard, play hard type company they would respect the fact that I used them as a stepping stone and I use them as a, as a pushing block for my career to move me forward. Um, and I, you know, I, I'm grateful for everything that they taught me and everything that they gave to me. Um, and I'm all, even more grateful that corn Ferry took a, took a chance on me. So. Yeah. I don't even think like me personally, like, I don't think you should feel guilty because like, I, I say this to my mom all the time and she kind of like rolls her eyes when I say this at me, like, come on now. But I don't think that you should feel guilty for using a company for a stepping stone because you know damn well that if they were, if they found someone that could do your job better than you and heartbeat, they get rid of your ass and bring them on. So like, kind of like, eh, on like the other side of it, I don't think that it's bad, like using a company as, um, 
a stepping stone to build up your resume or even like to get where you eventually want to get to. Cause just like, it's just what I think. Like, I, I think that like, if, because everyone's replaceable in their job. So like, yeah, they might, they might like you as a person and they might keep you on for that, but like it's business at the end of the day. So like, if they, if they find someone that can do your job better than you, I just think that they're just going to get rid of you and find that person. Right. Like, what, what are your thoughts on I that? I mean, possibly. Do you disagree or I, what? I mean, possibly. I, I would hope that would never happen to me. I, if I was ever to be in a position where, I mean, we'll be, just be frank, I was uh, laid off in April due to COVID reasons. But if I was ever laid off due to performance reasons, I don't think I would ever be able to forgive myself. I work, you know, it's when I have something in front of me that I need to get done, um, I'm over accomplishing it just because that's the type of person I am. And I, I would never want to disappoint anyone. And if I was to ever be, you know, forego for my, my efforts or my, my work, I would mm-hmm. be extremely disappointed in myself. So I, I would hope that I would hope yeah, that no one I, would dismiss uh, me for <laughs> finding someone better. You got to be the best. You got to think that you're the best. And, you know, you got to know deep down that you're the right choice for that company. Oh, yeah. And I'm going to go off that in a second, what you just said, because I want I like asking people about that. But um, it's funny because like I mentioned, I said to Esther, too, and she like confirmed it. I was like, I get the vibe from Kelsey that like whenever she's doing something, she goes fucking head over heels into it like 120 percent and then just like it's she's all in on it and she was like laughing it was just like yeah that's just who she is so to like what you were saying like it, it's it's funny because like you give off that impression too which i think is like a good thing now how you said about like thinking you're the best um where do you think the line gets drawn between um you know you're being cocky and arrogant and then like you're just you're just that confident in yourself because i feel as though that there's a way to do it without coming across as being cocky and arrogant, but like for most people that achieve anything great in life or, you know, build anything great in life, you have to think, uh, you have to think on day one that you're the best thing out before you can even get to the point where you actually are the best thing. But I feel like a lot of people kind of, you know, baby step their way into it by letting other people tell them that they're great at something without being like, I'm the fucking best even and you're not saying I'm the best because you genuinely believe that you you're saying the best because you want to be the best so by you saying that you carry yourself there if that makes sense yeah I mean I don't think that I go around my daily life being like I'm better than the next person next to me because there's always someone out there that's chasing your tail there's always someone out there that's going to be one step ahead of you or one step behind you looking to take the lead and I think that's what keeps me personally humble because I know like if Maybe I just think about things. I'm like, maybe if I put in an extra 20 hours a week at Corn Ferry, I would have gotten a higher role and then I wouldn't have been, wouldn't have been laid off because of COVID. Or like, maybe if there was like X or Y that had happened, you know, I could have, I could have been staying there. And that's a horrible way to think because it's not true. Like they didn't have any control over who stayed and who went. Um, Like I was told that at 6 PM on Wednesday night, I got a text from my boss that said, you're good. We're good. Um, you don't have to worry about anything. And then at 5am the next morning, I woke up to a ping on my phone from the HR director of, of New York that said COVID talk. And I was like, Oh my gosh. So like you, you know, you never, you never really know. And I think that's been a, that was a huge humbling moment for me too. And now I know like there is always, whether it's a person, whether it's a pandemic, whether it's a, you know, a career change, like there is something always on the horizon that should be humbling you and, and making you realize you need to keep busting your ass. If you want to be the best, you have to do everything in your power to make sure that you're going to be the best and continue to be the best. And I think like there's a lot of people out there and I think athletes are a huge example of this is 
I never wanted to lose my starting spot. I never wanted to lose my captainship. I never wanted to lose my GPA. So I made sure that I grinded harder than everyone. I worked harder than everyone. I showed up to practice earlier than everyone. I stayed at lift longer than everyone to make sure that I was the one that was succeeding and growing and developing um, at a faster and better rate than everyone else around me. And I think having those surrounding yourself with those types of people like Esther and Emily, they made that 10 times more effective for me because they were the ones in the weight room with me. They were the ones getting there to practice early with me, staying with me after to, to mess around. Like, and when you surround yourself with a similar, like people, similar, like things happen to you, you know, you grow, you develop, you succeed. And it's just an awesome way to look at life. I, I think it's just a really cool way to, to develop. It is. And I always love talking with you because you always have such high energy when we're talking. <laughs> like, I'm getting a little fired up here just listening Good. to you. But, <laughs> but um, yeah, no, it's I agree with that because it's funny because, like, in the summer, like, um, if you ever visit in the summer and shit, like, right in the driveway at Esther's place, like, um, it's always, like, back, like, when everyone was living at home, like, when Esther and Grace were still home, too, it's funny because, like, uh, Josh has – Josh has like a, a little like barbell set up and shit like that, like right outside in the driveway. And it's funny because like Esther and Grace will be sitting there in the driveway doing whatever they're doing, working out. Me and Josh are like doing pull-ups on like the door frame. And then we're all like running miles together. And then we all just like go jump in the pool. And then like, that's how we start. We, we like, would start like our Saturdays or like on the 4th of July last year, like we all got together Saturday or the 4th of July morning. And we all did that. Uh, the the yeah, merch together. Yeah. Um, that's awesome. We did the Murph together. Me and Josh both have like weighted vests on and we're doing that. And then immediately upon ending it, we're all jumping in the pool and then just like slamming beers and starting our day, which is like kind of funny because like most like most of my buddies like like saw like saw me and Josh like running through the park and shit like that. And they're like, the fuck are you guys doing? And it's funny because like the way like I know you know this, but like the way like Esther, Josh and Grace are wired is like you got to get you got to put the work in before you go yeah. have fun. Yeah, it's the pl- work hard, play hard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah and it's just funny because like some people are so like what the fuck by it but I think like if you were an athlete and you played at a high level like you did like it's almost like in a way like ingrained in you like I know I tell a couple of my buddies like um like I don't need to be you know throwing up crazy weights but like I have to sweat every day because if I don't I feel like such a piece of shit I'm like I feel like I'm being a lazy fuck yeah Yeah. I have friends and now um go ahead you're good no I was just gonna say I have friends that like I work out with now and we don't like work out together but we go to the same gym and they asked me like, they're like, why are you bench pressing? You're a 26 year old woman. Like, what are you doing? And I'm putting up like weight. And it's, I'm like, that's just how for so many years for like the past decade, that's what I've been doing. And like, uh, clearly it's been working for me. So I don't feel like I need to change up and go lightweight, high rep. Like I'm going to put up, I'm going to put up this bench bar and everyone else around me can be like, whoa. And that's kind of like, that fires me up so much. Like when I'm in the gym and there's people looking at me, like, oh my God, that girl's putting up weight. Like that makes me so excited. And like, I want to do more and grow more and be stronger and faster. And it's just like, I love that. I just love that so much. <laughs> I mean, they're probably checking you out too, but like, <laughs> I mean, but Hey, whatever. Um, and no, it's actually funny. Cause I'm not going to name names cause it doesn't even matter. But I remember, um, so one of your like one of your friends like obviously someone that I know as well so they were saying like they weren't saying it in a shit talking way they were saying it in a funny way because it was like um we were having that conversation about like how intense you are but not in like not in a bad way like it was just funny because um and they were just like yeah like Kelsey like works out like almost two hours a day and like once she gets a real job that's like not going to be possible (laughs) and I was like thinking in my head I'm just like it yeah she's probably still going to do it because like if it 
if she actually cares about it that much, she's going to find the time to do it. Like I know like my buddy Zach and I, like he goes on lunch every day at four. And then because like I, you know, make my own schedule and I do my own thing being self-employed, like um, he, me and him are always playing call of duty from like four to five, like every day during the week. So it's like, that's an hour I could put towards something else, but I'm choosing to go, you know, like take a break from my work and play call of duty with him. So it's like, to that point though, it's like kind of funny how like, whoever i'm not going to name the name but like they were like yeah she works out for like two hours a day religiously like when you get a job that's not that's not gonna be possible but it's just like yeah it's not possible to you because like that's not something you care to do well to that person i would have to say that i did it when i worked at corn Ferry, and i'm gonna keep doing it when i go back so (laughs) no exactly and like i said it wasn't talking way. it was just more so just like i'm proud yeah it's more so in like a two hours a day this bitch is crazy (laughs) (laughs) like eventually she's gonna stop but like no i mean i i respect it i love that type of shit now um you said like you had the COVID talk from your like director and shit so um and you unfortunately got laid off as many people did um now when you got laid off did you stay in houston or did you move back home or like what what happened next because um when i was out in denver corona hit the city pretty badly and our lease was up april 1st and I couldn't do real estate anymore. I got hired um, at the Blue Moon Brewery and then I was working um, another job as well and I couldn't do either of those. So I was just like, fuck it, I'm right. coming back home. What, um, like, did that happen to you or like, did you stay in Houston? Yeah, like, what so uh, April 23rd was the day that I had the conversation. Um, RIP to my, to that whole year. But like, um, I I remember specifically that whole Thursday, I was probably supposed to be working, but I, I couldn't think about anything. So I just kept taking laps around my neighborhood, like just walking laps because they didn't make the conversation until four o'clock. So I'm just making laps and, you know, I, I had the call and it was pretty, I was pretty gracious about it. I had, I didn't have a ton of questions because $300 million of us got laid off. So it wasn't like they were just handpicking people. It was like, pretty much anyone under two years was, was getting a can. And, um, you know, they explained severance and how to get all my stuff back. And, you know, I, I spent the next day that next Friday, I told myself I was going to give myself 24 hours to be sad. Um, and then I remember at four 30 on that Friday, I opened up my laptop and I started applying to grad school. And by, I think, uh, three weeks later, I'd been accepted to Johns Hopkins, uh, Northeastern and University of Texas at Permian Basin. Um, and then it just, yeah, it just came down to my decision of where I wanted to go. And, uh, I wasn't leaving. My lease wasn't up until the end of September. So I decided to actually go to the University of Texas, uh, at PB, which is more of like a, it's like an, it's a part of the University of Texas, like all inclusive program, but, uh, I was able to get it done in a year. So I will actually be graduating one week after my, um, my layoff. So I will be done April 30th and I will be in a lot less debt than if I went to JH or Northeastern. So, um, I'm pretty, I'm pretty excited with how that went and I ended up moving as for my leases up. I ended up moving back to the mid Atlantic cause I, I worked in the, out of DC and Annapolis for a really long time when I was in college and, um, and I loved the area. So I moved back to the mid Atlantic in Baltimore, picked up a bartending job. Now I work out two hours a day. I bartend and I go to school and <laughs> out two hours uh, and that's kind of what's happening. I'm gonna throw that. I'm gonna throw that when I uh, post this episode and I put it in the description. <laughs> I'm that's that I'm gonna put that with like little asterisks around it. Uh, Kelsey Henderson works out two hours a day. Comma we talked about <laughs> blah blah blah. <laughs> but um, 
but no, so like, um, when, while you were doing your MBA, um, and you're going to be getting your MBA, which is fucking awesome. So Thanks, congrats on that. Um, I know you, cause we talked about it. Cause I, um, I saw some of the things you were posting on Instagram and stuff like that. You, you decided that you wanted to, um, have like start a little side hustle. Um, not like a full-time business, but a little side hustle. And it was like you making clothes and stuff like that. Did, did you, uh, was that something that you were just like, fuck it, I want to get into it. Or like, did you already know how to sew or like, how did you even get into like starting to do yeah, that as about a side hustle? Two or three years ago, I got into a rabbit hole with my roommate of project runway, like a, a vicious rabbit hole. And we would watch like at least two episodes a day together. It was like our, our team bonding of our house. And one day I was uh-huh. on Facebook marketplace and this woman was giving a sewing machine away and I had to drive like three miles. And I picked up this sewing machine on this woman's front step. We went to Joanne Fabrics and picked up a pattern and some fabric. And me and my, my roommate, we made dresses and um, with this sewing machine that I got for free. And I, I knew my mom taught me how to sew when I was a kid. We, I used to make like pillows and tote bags and super simple, uh, just very classic things that, you know, a child would be able to make. And then I started using the patterns and kind of getting a little bit better. And she and I ended up not being like, I moved out to a different house. So, and I continued to keep sewing and keep learning and growing away from patterns and stuff. And then when I got to Baltimore, I, um, I pretty much live alone right now. Um, I live in a house, but my roommates travel a lot for work. So I have this pretty big house to, to sew and do some stuff. So I set up this area where, you know, I'm, I'm able to sew and I started taking orders and, and filling orders. So in my, in my free time, I, I kind of put that as my third priority. It, it's definitely like, school work and then and then sewing um but yeah I've been able to probably make over like 30 or 40 garments so far and I really enjoy it I have some stuff on the docket for when I get back from Easter but yeah it's been it's been really cool and definitely a learning experience and time-consuming one my fingers are like shredded but from stabbing myself so many times with pins but it's been it's been really fun and really awesome and um you know I brought my sewing machine home for my mom um so she could use it and we're gonna do some stuff while I'm here for for Easter as well yeah, that's awesome. I gotta still uh, find myself a bill yeah. study that I could send yeah, you so you could do that, like whatever that pattern that pattern is that you had with the um, yeah the Texas yeah. sweater. Um, now, have you found that um, from doing this that it's like now become a passion of yours that you eventually want to turn into a business, or are you just keeping it as like a little side hustle, or like where like where's your vision? Because I know you're one of those people that you know, not even, not even trying to like talk you up like that, but you're definitely one of those people that like anything you do kind of like me, like there needs to be an end game, or at least there needs to be like a plan for what the purpose is behind what you're doing. So like, with that being said, like, is your vision for Marta and like what you're doing is keeping it as a side hustle? Or are you trying to eventually get it off the ground and have it be? I think for now, I think it's really would be smart for me to keep it as a side hustle. The margins in the clothing business for handmade stuff of a person that's of a designer that's not relevant um, are razor, razor thin. Mm -hmm. Um, So I I just right now, it's something that's I really enjoy. Um, Definitely a passion of mine, something that I can bond with my mom with. I call her with tons of questions. Um, I'm able to, you know, make cool clothes for cool people. And there, I like making statement pieces where, you know, I wear something and people are like, oh, that's a cool jacket or that's a cool, you know, hoodie. Where did you get that? And I'm be like, oh, I actually made it. And that starts like a whole new conversation about, you know, different talents and, and things that we're passionate about. Um, so I think for now, it'd definitely be smart to keep it as a side hustle. 
And if, if something's to grow from it, um, what I think I've learned that I like about it more than my clothes is the way that people look in the clothes um, and making them be like huge statement pieces. Like I have this white jacket that I made that every time that I put it on, people are like, holy shit, that's a really cool jacket. Um, and I think where me being inside that jacket, like makes that makes everything worth it. Um, and if I was to ever do something in the fashion industry, I would definitely want to be the like the designer and make the cool pieces, but I wouldn't be the one that's physically sewing them, if that makes sense. Um, so, no, yeah. it makes sense. Being that being the, the top, you know, the overarching decision maker would definitely be, I mean, that's my personality to a T. Um, so be, being that person and then uh-huh. having people under me to do the physical labor and the sewing and stuff, that would probably be, if I was to ever do this as a business, that'd be what I would look at. Yeah, because that jacket... Um... I know exactly which one you're talking about because when you had it on your uh, like, because you have a you have a Instagram yeah, for yeah. all this stuff and that Instagram that when you posted that jacket, I thought it, and like I even reached out to you and asked you. I was just because I was like, you made that. I'm like, I'm not hating, but like that looks like a like something that would come out of like Tom yeah. Ford or something like that. that. That's awesome. But, yeah, no, but I mean, it's the design of it, and like you said, it's like a statement piece and stuff. Now, like. So with like that being said, with COVID and how you got furloughed and shit like that, does that and then you getting your MBA and like you were just saying that like, you know, you, you want to be the one like making decisions and stuff like that. Has that like kind of caused you to start thinking in the sense of like, OK, I, you know, I'm, I'm obviously going to be working for people for, you know, the next couple of years and stuff. But in the future, um, do you want to be your own boss and start your own thing or like what is your thought on that because i know like we were talking about we were just talking like money finance and stuff like that when that whole like gamestop shit was going on um and that was like kind of conversation that we had but like you know tying it full circle like have you had thoughts of eventually get going into business or starting your own business of some sorts and then being the boss or like are are you just you know you kind of just want to stay like being an employee no i definitely i think i would love to be my own boss um I have, I'm one of those people that has all these notes in my phone about things that could be cool or ideas that could be, could be relevant or helpful. Um, and I think right now I've decided that I, I really need more experience under my belt. I need more leadership experience. I need more industry experience. I need more networking. I need more financial independence. Um, and I, I think that for the time being, for probably the next five or six years, um, I think it's smart for me to go back to being a corporate employee uh, figuring out what I really want to do, how I want to do it, um, what kind of boss I'd want to be, you know, learning from other leaders, seeing what type of management experience those people have had and what, you know, what type of management they lead by. I think those are all really important. Um, and to be able to be a good boss and to be a good leader, you need to examine a lot of different Hello? personalities. And I'm there. Are you here? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I got, I, I don't know why he keeps calling me. I got to call again, but, um, can you, cause I'm going to cut all that out because it was ringing, but can you start with like, can you just start over with what you're saying? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So I definitely do want to eventually be my own boss for sure. Um, I just think right now I, the best decision for me would be to go back to work for a little while. Um, at least, you know, five or six more years. I think that I need some more financial independence. I need some more management experience to learn from more people um, see what type of leadership that they provide me. And if I want to emulate any of those personality traits or any of those leadership styles, I think all those are really important to, you know, being your own boss and determining what type of leader you can be. Plus you need all those different connections and all those different, you know, ways of networking and 
how do you want to develop something? Where do you get the money to develop something? Like who's going to be your investors? Who's going to work with you? How are you going to hire the right people and make sure you're not making any mistakes or getting screwed over? And I think at, at my age and with my experience level, I'm just not ready. And I think a lot of young business owners, you know, they have, they have those challenges. And I, I think, you know, there's tons of people that are successful, but there's also a ton of people that aren't successful and that throw away their entire life savings or, you know, waste years of their life trying to build something that doesn't become anything. Um, and I just, I think I know myself well enough to be like, I'm not ready. Um, and I know I will be eventually someday. My goal is to run my own thing and do my own thing. Um, or even if I'm a partner at something that already exists, um, being able to run my own team, um, either of those would, would be really great for me. How do you, um, and I love all that because I, I definitely could see you being your own boss one day, um, just cause of like, you know, how much energy you put behind, like what you want to do and shit like that. How do you, like, what would you say if like, um, you were talking to like amongst friends and stuff and they're just like, Hey, Kelsey, like, I, I know what I, I like, I don't know what I want to do. And like, I don't know like what I'm good at or, and stuff like that. Like what would your advice be if you were having a conversation like with a friend and you know, they were looking at you and all you've done and they're kind of like hoping for you to like give them advice on not what they should do, but like helping them figure out like what is best for them. Like, what would you say to that? I think the first thing that you need to do is, you know, there's a ton of questions that are in background information. Like, do you like, I think the first one that's so important is, do you like going into the office or do you like working from home? And then, then you can start to go from there. Like what's your work-life balance? Like, do you plan on having a family? Do you want to, you know, have your kids, do you want to be a stay at home mom or do you want to, you know, work and have your kids go to, to daycare? And I think like, I think those starting those questions really now, even though none of us have kids or families or a lot of us don't even have boyfriends, it's those questions are like really important and or significant others, I should say. And, once, once you learn all those, then you can get into, okay, what do you like? Are you creative? Are you strategic? Are you a good communicator? Are you an introvert? You know, finding out all of those different avenues and, and who those people are deep down inside. And then once you know those things, it's like, okay, great. Do you like working with, I mean, there's just so many questions that have to be asked, you know, and if someone's generally interested in what they'd want to do and they just don't know yet, I'd love to sit down and, and have a conversation to help them try and figure out what they want to do and see what they've done in the past and figuring out, did they like that? Did they not like that? Okay. If you didn't like that, is there anything about that that you did like? Um, or if you love that, what did you not like about it? Um, and then it's kind of just at that point, narrowing down, it's like a funnel. You dump everything that you like and don't like into something and you, you know, sift through the bad and, and let the good through. And you kind of are able to figure out an array of what you could be good at or what you could enjoy be, to be doing. So I, it's such a hard question to answer because so many people could be good at so many different things. Has that been something that you've like kind of cultivated yourself throughout the years or like, did you get put on to like that type of thinking and like figuring those things out for yourself from being in Houston and all the experience that you had there. And, you know, obviously like some of the mentors like you've bumped into along the way. And then like, obviously now being in Baltimore, like did it develop because of all those things and all the experience you had, or was that just something that you innately um, whether it came from your parents or just you yourself, like, you know, kind of always knew and figured out within yourself. I think it would be 75, 25 split, um, more towards corn Ferry. Uh -huh. after, you know, speaking with so many different executives that came from millions and millions of different backgrounds. Um, it's just the way that they, their paths are, everyone thinks like, okay, Yale graduate. Let's, let's just, for example, the current CEO of, of Boeing. You know, he was a, an Ivy graduate, got his master's, 
uh, went in to do like stuff at became like a really high up guy at GE, which is an industrial company, then moved over to BlackRock, which is a finance company. Mm-hmm. And now he's the CEO of Boeing anywhere. He was the board of directors like that path makes literally no sense. You know, he, he had, he was jumping around from a very diverse group of experiences and has now landed himself one of the most prevalent roles in the U S economy. And I think, you know, looking at someone like him, you see, wow, you know, I might've gone to a SUNY school, but there's so many things that I can do. There's so many directions that I could take or places that I could go with all of my experiences. And I just, I love to use him as an example and like, think about him as an example, because he, he came from, I mean, he went to an Ivy undergrad school, but he came from something that was different than what he is now. And you never, you just never know where this world's going to take you. And if, if you think like staying on a tunneled path is the best decision for you, I think that you, you should probably poke some holes in that tunnel and, and see through what's going on and what's going on around you. And, you know, and I think I love the example of the grass is always greener, um, but it's green where you water it. And if you're looking on the other side of the fence and that person is watering their grass and you're sitting on your side of your fence, not watering your grass, obviously you're going to want to go over to theirs, but you can't take everyone else's path. You need to make sure you're fostering your own growth and your own development and, you know, asking the neighbor, what kind of fertilizer do you use? And taking those examples and, you know, maybe fostering your growth and, and your leadership experience and, and, you know, every avenue that you have to take. So I, I think, I think it's like definitely, you know, corn has helped me figure out that I really enjoy working with others to help them navigate where they want to go with their lives and figure out what they want to do with themselves. I think it's just a, just a cool and, and different way to look at stuff. Yeah. And I love that you said the grass is green and rewater it. Cause like, I always say that with, uh, with my boys and stuff like that, like when we talk about things, um, cause I find as though like having conversations with, you know, friends and you know people in general like when we just like talk uh, amongst ourselves is that like a lot of people get and I don't know if it's because of social media or if it's just the generation we're living in now that like everything is instant and everyone wants everything like now 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 but like I feel as though like a lot of people are hesitant towards like trying new experiences or trying new things because they're like they have that end game in mind of like well, what if it doesn't work out? And like, what if it, like, I don't know. And it's almost like you have so many options on the table that like, you kind of like, just don't end up doing anything because you don't know. And like, it's almost like you don't want to be seen making the wrong decision or, or bad thing, which me and you both know, like, that's not even really a thing. That's just all bullshit. But like, what, like, what is your like thoughts and like opinions on that? Yeah. I mean, I think people don't want to waste their time. I think like there's a lot of places in this world where you can waste your time. And I think that makes people scared. Mm-hmm. And I also think people are, ner- I personally, I have always been weary of what people think of me. You know, I have up until probably 10 months ago, I was like, no, I'm never getting a bartending job because people are going to judge me and, you know, think that I'm a low life and, you know, have no career aspirations. And then one day I, I was talking to a buddy of mine who actually he's my roommate right now. And he was like, who the hell cares what anyone else thinks? Like if you're having fun, like you're enjoying yourself right now, you're getting a higher education, you're going back to work. It's not like you're never going to go back to work and just be a bartender for the rest of your life. Like who cares? And then the next day I went out and I found a bartending job because at that point I was just like, you're right. Like, I don't care what any of these people on social media think. Like I even ended up making like TikToks and Instagram posts about helping small businesses and where I worked and, you know, why you should be benefiting the things around you and not spending money at, you know, Walmart and, you know, companies like that, why you should be, you know, getting coffee at your local shop. And I just, I think it's, 
people are scared of wasting time, like I said, and I think people are scared of, you know, the, the appearance that they put off to the world. They don't want people judging them in a negative manner. And I think once, once I realized I didn't have to care or shouldn't care, my eyes have been opened to a whole nother degree. Like my peripheral vision has gotten so much wider and my, you know, my acceptance of so many other people has gotten a lot better and, and wider. And now I just want the best for everyone. And I think that's another, like circling back a little bit to the conversation we had right before this one. Like, I think that's another reason why I love helping people figure out what they want to do. It's because there's just so many different life paths. Yeah, no, I completely agree because like, that's the thing, like, and I, you know, I've never been vocal about it uh, because like kind of to your point, I was always like, oh, people are going to think like I'm a loser. Like I'm a bum. Like I have nothing going for me. But like, the thing is, is like, I was afraid at first and I've, I've said it so many times on this podcast. I mean, just having conversations with other people. Um, and I've said it so many times on the podcast before that, like, I literally had $10 to my name when it came time for, to renew our lease in Boston. And I was just like, I had to tell my boys, I'm like, yo, I got, I got to go back home, bro. I'm like, I ain't got no damn money. And like, my thing is, it's like, at first, like I was like hesitant to tell people, like I used to tell people at like, Oh, like, you know, you know, it's expensive in Boston. And, you know, I didn't want to, you know, I, I didn't want to stay there. I wanted to continue to travel. But like, I just got so sick of always saying that. I'm like, yo, like, who fucking cares? I'm just like, you know what? Like, I went broke living there. Boo fucking who? Like, yeah. I had a great time. Yeah. I had a great fucking time. I there there's really nothing that like, I like, I, I don't know if I'd ever move back to Boston. But like, the thing is, is like, I've done everything I could possibly like, imagine doing while I was there that it's just like okay i left no stone unturned and then it's like the whole thing like left for denver and then denver didn't work out and now i'm back here and it's just like i don't look at those things like how i used to like i used to look at those things like kind of like scarlet letters like fuck dude i got an i just caught an l but it's not really like an l because like there were so many things i learned about myself and like obviously like learned in terms of like what i'm going for with like business and what i want in the future that like i actually like look back and i'm like yo i needed those things to happen to me so that i can get like a like you said like a wider perspective and a wider vision to understand like oh okay like things happen to you for a reason they don't happen against you and it's just like in the end it all it's all like to benefit you and to um help you to actually like get to where you're going but it's like I kind of find that it's like hard to, um, for a lot of people, a lot of people, like it's hard for them to internalize that and actually believe in that. Because like, again, we live in a world now where like you see finished products everywhere you go. And then like you hop on social media and it's just like, social media is fake bullshit to begin with. But like you see like everyone doing their thing and it's just like, fuck, like, and it kind of gets you into the whole, like keeping up with the Joneses. Like you don't want to look like you're not doing something good or you don't want to be seen like at the bottom of, of, of like the totem pole. Yeah. Yeah. And when I was, I went on a bunch of ski trips this year, um, just because this is the year to do it. Like I've been working really hard and saving a bunch of money and I was like, Hey, this is, I don't have a full-time job. I'm going to go on a ton of ski trips. So I did. And people kept texting me or DMing me being like, do you have a, do you have a job? Like, how are you doing this? Like, how are you doing this? And I was literally like, no, I don't have a job. I'm a full-time student. And a year ago I would have, I would have made up some bullshit excuse. Like, Oh yeah. I took off the month because my firm is amazing. And blah, blah, blah. And I would have lied about something. And now I'm like, fuck it. No, I don't have a job. I'm a full-time student and I'm, you know, living my best life right now. And I don't care what you think. And, you know, 99% of the responses that I got back were, hell yeah, keep doing that. That sounds awesome. You know? And I would have, I would have definitely been really apprehensive in the past to admit the truth. And now that I'm finally saying, screw it. Like I just, I feel 
I feel so much better. I feel like I have this weight that's been so much lifted off my shoulders. It's, it's exhilarating. Yeah, absolutely. And it's just like, kind of like going to what you were saying about like the, the traveling is like, I, I can't even tell you like how many places I've been in like the past two years. And then obviously like moving like city to city and shit like that. Like, uh, um, like one of my buddies, like he had a joke and he was just like, all right, he's just like, so, uh, so now that you've been back from Denver for a year, he goes, um, you throwing a dart at the dartboard to see where you're going next. And I'm like, no, I'm actually like staying here. And he's just like, dude, he's just like, and they, and like all my buddies would like say shit to me. He's just like, yo, like, um, like I've had a couple friends like hit me up on D, like Instagram DMs and be like, yo, I want to get into real estate. Cause it seems like you're just living your best life. And I'm like, I'm thinking, I'm like, well, when I was in college, I was doing this. And my mom was just like, save every penny that you make because, you don't like, I don't have any student loan debt. So yeah, uh, my, my mom was essentially like, you know, it, when you graduate, whatever the cost of school was for four years, you're essentially getting an imaginary check for that amount of money. And you're not really getting that much money. You're just getting that much money as like a budget to, you can go figure shit out and then you don't have to pay that money back. So like, and I've never said this on the podcast before, but like within the past four years, I've probably blown I think because my mom does all my accounting and does all that shit for me. But um, I think I've blown probably about anywhere from like 70 to 80 grand in like traveling and doing shit. And like a lot of my like close friends that know this, they're like, bro, you are fucking out of your mind. Like, you know how much money you could have right now if you didn't do that? And it's like, you know how much your retirement account could be? You know how many investment properties you can own? But it's just like, I understand that. But at the same time, I'm like, I wouldn't be where I am today or have like the mindset that I have today if I didn't blow all that money getting that experience so like i kind of feel like it's like one of those catch-22 things that it's like it's like you got to kind of like you can't look at it as like a oh what if um because it's like you you would never have gotten that experience if you did not like take that avenue yeah yeah i think um I think I, I agree and disagree with you just a little bit. A hundred percent. Yeah. And everyone does. Yeah. And I think, I think it's great to like go and get those experiences. Um, but like personally, like I've always had a 401k that I always contribute to no matter, you know, what, what's going on. Um, the only thing that's on my mind in terms of finances right now is my the stock market and buying a house. So I have like a separate saving account, savings account, uh, you know, in my, in my banking portfolio. And then I have a separate stock market account in my portfolio and, you know, those are the only two or sorry, those are the only three things that I like really care about. And then the rest of the money, you know, all the, that savings and, and all that stuff, I just make sure that I'm paying off my student debt because now I have undergrad and graduate loans. Hell yeah. Um, and, you know, just making sure that I'm balancing everything to make sure that I am able to travel. I am able to put money into my into my different savings accounts and then I am able to pay off any of my debts. So, you know, once you figure out what works best for you, there's no right and wrong answer. It's just what makes you happy and like what what makes you thrive and like why you, you do what you do. Like who cares back to the same thing? Who cares? Exactly. It's, it's like, it's like nothing matters, but everything matters. Right. But it's like, you get, you get what I'm saying by my, me saying nothing matters, but everything matters. It's like one of those things. Now um, one thing I did want to ask you was like being around all the business people that you were around and obviously being around like entrepreneurs or successful business people. And then being in that, you know, you're, getting your MBA and shit like that has that environment taught you how to, to like look at money differently than what school did and did not teach us or, or like, what is your thought on that? Cause I find as though that like school, like they, they educate us on the bare minimum and basics when it comes to money and personal finance and shit like that. And for the most part, like to really get like the best like wisdom and advice on 
personal finance and investing and, and shit like that, you kind of got to seek that information outside of school. Yeah. I mean, imagine being like a major, like a history major, you know, or, or an English major or something like something in the liberal arts department. They don't, you don't even think about money. Like you're not taking an account, no. you're not think, taking a finance class or an accounting class or any sort of, you know, like global, like structure of economics class. There's, there's no part of your academia that is revolved around finances and i think that's really detrimental to the future of our of our generations i think you know i I worry about my sister's generation because she is gonna graduate and you know she's i mean she'll have a fine career she's gonna be a teacher and and everything like that but I, i worry about her friends like they don't have any idea what's going on with money they don't have a savings account they like i in college made sure that i always had money to my name and if i i like was getting close to the bottom, I'd be like, all right, I need to get a job or I need to figure out something else to make sure that I'm not going to graduate and be poor. Um, And I think that's like, that was fostered through my family. Like, I don't think even because I took accounting and I took finance and I took economics classes in college, that did not necessarily help me figure out how to do my own personal finances, like at all. I think my dad was the number one proponent of me, you know, saving money, starting a 401k, you know, using my bank account to my advantage, investing in the stock market you know, tailoring different ways that my finances could benefit me in the long run. Um, And, you know, that's, that's horrible. I think that our, if you're going to pay that much money to go to college, you should figure out how to make that money back when you're done. And also just a little political point. I don't understand why the average starting salary for someone that goes to business school is less than one year at the average private education school. Why is someone graduating from college making an average of $55,000 a year when the average private education costs $75,000 a year. How are you ever yeah, supposed that to pay could, that back? No, I completely, and look at, I completely agree with you. And like, we can, we can do a whole nother episode <laughs> another day on exactly that, because that's like, that's for me, like, I kind of like come across like so passionately and so like, like fuck the system because when I was in Boston and like, this is like, not even like in Boston or and like, it goes for Denver too. And just like a lot of the business mentors I still have. And like, you know, that I touch base with and, you know, I pick their brains, go to breakfast with them and shit like that um, on a weekly basis is that like my biggest thing that I have an issue with is that like um, doing real estate, working hundred percent commission job. It's like, I don't, I don't have a boss. I can make as much money as I decide I want to make. Like if I may say like, say if like right now at this point, I've sold so many homes that I've made Mm $60,000. Right. And I only need 30,000 to live. Um, and pay my bills and have fun. If I decided I didn't want to work the rest of the year, I technically don't have to. But the problem that I have with the way that like school is, is that like, to your point is that like, they teach you all these things, and then they drop you in the middle of a city and they go, okay, go figure out a way to make money. And you're like, well, what the fuck? Like, I, I, I'm not even like my buddy, my, uh, my buddy, Tyler, he lives out in California, and he's in Napa Valley. And like, we have talks all the time. And he's like, bro, like, for how much rent is and how much it is to live out here, dude, he's like, I'm making good money if you look at my salary on paper, but like, dude, I'm barely saving any money. And like, I've been out here for four fucking years and he's just like, and he's finally now at a point where he is saving money and and investing his money. But at first he was like, dude, I don't understand. Like, I don't understand how, because everything is so expensive. So like, you know, working with like the business people that I've worked with, they always tell me they're just like, school doesn't teach you a fucking thing. Like school, when it comes to like my money and finance and like, to your point, they were just like, the school should also be teaching, which I wanted to ask you next was like your thought on um, 
like sales and, and shit like that, because I have not, like I've taken finance classes, I've taken business classes, I've taken accounting classes at college and I took economics at Hobart. Like I've taken multiple classes. There is nothing that is coming from a college or even high school being like, Hey, we, we should be teaching these kids sales because you can learn. I mean, you know, unless you're in sales, you can make as much money as you fucking want in sales. But it's just like that. And like sales is probably like, sales and like being able to communicate with people is probably like one of the number one skills to have yeah but do you but... do you really think that you can teach sales because i think i think sales is is charisma and personality and you know i think people are born there's two types of people there is the born consumer and there is the born salesman and you know i think the salesman is also a consumer but i i don't think the consumer is also the salesman no, I completely agree with you. And that's not even like, I, I don't, that's not even the angle I was going at, but to your point, yes, I do believe that because I think like the reason that I've been not successful, but I've like had uh, a decent time like in sales is because I'm naturally so outgoing and I don't ever shut the fuck up. <laughs> right. So like, right. I know like kind of in like, kind of like how you are too. It's just like, you just need to be taught the basics and the principles. But like where, where I was going towards was like, they don't even give that an option. Right. Like they don't look at someone like me or you. And it's like, Hey, you don't ever shut the fuck up. Like you're, um, you're questioning everything. Have you thought about getting in sales? Right. Because if you get told, if you get, if like, for me, like I have no problem picking up the phone and talking to someone, but like being able to cold call someone and getting them to want to work with me off a cold call, that was something that like I still struggle with and I'm still getting practice on. But like walking up to some random person at a bar or like out at a restaurant and just being like, hey, what's good? And just starting a conversation with them. I think to your point, that's shit that you can't teach. Right. right. Yeah. I think another like an avenue that I've always wanted to explore is, is sales training. I think that I am uh -huh. a natural born salesperson. I think that that's just something that, you know, comes to comes to me super easily. But I think that I'm also my, my dad's in sales and my mom's a teacher. And I think the combination of both of those personalities kind of blended with me really nicely, where if there was an opportunity for me to do sales training, I think that would be something that would actually really perk my interest just because I really like teaching other people how to be good at something that I'm good at. Um, and, you know, that's, it's not something that's a really big job opportunity. And I think it is something that needs to be, you know, at colleges, like a sales training class needs to be something that even if it's not like a, like a core competency class, like what if it's an elective or, you know, like a fun class or an after school activity type deal where, you know, people come in and they do little seminars and teach people how to be, how to be good at sales or how to close deals or, you know, instead of doing those, like whatever that guy, that Robin guy or whatever his name is, I, Tony Robbins, I, I've literally walked out of one of his seminars before because I think he's a nut job, but he, uh, he like has a good kind of, has, <laughs> you went to one of I, them? I was forced. Let's make this very clear. I was forced to go to one of them. I was about to say, I was about to call your ass and out. And <laughs> I looked at, I looked at my manager and I said, hell no, if you want me to work here any longer, you'll let me leave. And he let me leave. So, uh, I don't mean to cut you off, but let me ask you this. Cause I genuinely like, I know like sometimes I'll have conversations and like some people on the podcast will be like, Oh, I didn't know we were going for the motivational talk. And I'm like, no, I think motivation is pure shit. And I think that like Tony Robbins and like, and, and not knocking them, but like Tony Robbins and a lot of those guys, they, they, they're, they do so well because their consumers are people that are actually never going to do what they're saying to do. They're just people that want to be told, uh, like you get what I'm trying to get at, right? So those, like, those talks, like those conversations are, it is sales. It is sales for something else. Every time 
that yes, Tony Robbins yes, gets on yes. stage, he is selling you something else. He starts with a pump-up speech, yes. which yep. this is why he is so good at what he does, because he starts with a yes, pump-up speech, okay, good. he goes into his sales pitch, and then he closes with another pump-up speech. And he, if you are going to be good at sales, you should not be listening to what Tony Robbins is selling. You should be looking at the method that Tony Robbins is selling with. Yes. So okay. I, I don't yes. think, I yes. think he is an idiot and also a genius. And, you know, like, I don't believe in any of his methodologies. I don't believe in any of his, his ho-dunk boo-hoo that he's throwing at people, these poor people who believe that he can change their lives. But I do think he is a genius for the, the type of work that he has created for himself and only for himself. Yes. Yep. And that's exactly like what I was trying to explain. And you just picked it up and took it perfectly because that's like, because like I said, like I, I've had like, you know, business mentors that are like, they'll say the same thing. They're just like, yeah, he does well for himself. But like, you got to understand that shit that he's selling you and saying and making content on it's to push something that he's actually not really trying to get at. If that, like, like you said, to your point. Um, But yeah, no. So like with all that being said, like, do you, um, ah, damn, what was I going to say? Do you like, what is your thought on this? Because I know like I've had conversations with Esther before where I'm frustrated and I'm just like, yo, this annoys me. Like, what the fuck? Like I'll try to have conversations with my boys. Like, kind of like about like investing and you know where they should put their money and how to manage their money not from like me telling them what to do i'm just simply like yo like hey like hey guys like this is what i learned today and this is what you know the you know my boss or so and so taught me like it kind of makes sense like do you guys do this or we should start thinking about this or looking into this and i always get like a consistent feedback from most people of like okay well one I'm not listening to you because what the fuck do you know? And I'm always like, it's not coming from me. It's coming from people that educated me on it. And I'm just trying to have a conversation with you on it. Why do you think that like, I don't know if you've ever had that, like that type of experience with any of your friends, but like, why do you think like people are so quick to like, just shoot down like what you're saying um, without actually giving it any time or thought? Do you think it's because it's like, it's not in like the mainstream of like education and it's not like what's being taught to us or like, what is your like thought? I bet that? because finances are an uncomfortable topic for most people. I think that when people talk mm-hmm. about money, they get uncomfortable and they clam up and they, you know, they don't really want to discuss it. Or like maybe your friends made a really uh, a risky investment and they lost stuff or you know maybe your friends don't actually know what they're talking about so they don't want to get in a conversation or they've put on this you know this facade that they know more than you and then you start bringing up conversation topics and they're like uh I don't want to talk about this because I know more than you and they actually generally don't um but that's a I mean it's an interesting it's an interesting topic like living in Baltimore I have a bunch of friends that are in finance um and I will ask them for advice all the time and they always say like I'm not giving you advice because I, God forbid something wrong happens and then that's on me, you know? Um, so that's kind of why I just avoid that conversation completely with my friends because I just, I don't want to put any bad juju on either myself or my friends. So, you know, that could be, that could be something that's happening as well. Yeah, no. And like, that's the thing is that like, I don't ever like, even though I I might've said it just now, but like, I don't ever give advice. I just am like, Hey, like, the, the guy that I'm working for made a shit ton of money doing this. Like, do you know anything about that? Or like, have you heard about that and stuff like that? Or it will be like, Oh, like, you know, like, wh- like for investment properties, for example, like I'll be like, Hey, like, did you know that like real estate makes the most like millionaires and creates the most wealth? And that like, you know, have you ever thought about being a landlord or anything like that? Cause this is what this guy does. And then like, it's funny because like a lot of people are like being a landlord, that's a waste of fucking time. And that's a huge liability. And it's just like, okay, well, I wasn't telling you to do it. I was just asking you if you ever thought of doing it because 
this guy told me he owns 25 properties and he like broke it down. Like, you know, the tenants pay off your mortgage and then you own the property outright and then it's mailbox money and shit like that. And it's just like, that's not even a conversation that like people are even intrigued in. Cause they're just like, okay, I'm not, I don't, I don't even want to talk about it because it one, it doesn't make sense. And two, like, what the fuck do you yeah. know? Like, I know like with the whole, um, the, everything that went on during the stock market and stuff, like I was at, I was trying to talk to Esther about it and she just, I could tell she was just not interested because, but it wasn't like, because she just didn't, she just like, was like, I don't know. So like, I don't understand like how you would know. And I don't understand like, how you would like be able to make money off of this so it's just like it's not something that of any interest to me but like i was always i'm always curious because it's just like one they don't teach you about money like they should in school at least to my point of view and then like when you try to have like conversations not giving advice but just having conversations of like hey like guys like what do you think about this it's like don't, no one even wants to have that conversation so like I, that was just something that like i always find to be like so fucking i mean maybe weird. just find different friends that want to have that conversation <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah, but like, I mean, I'm not shitting on my friends, but like, at the same time, it's just like, it's so weird to me, because it's just like, yo, like, like, I, I don't know, I'm just like the whole like, uh, like, you know, if you want to have like, because everyone says that everyone's like, Oh, I want to have millions, or I want to have a lot of money. And it's like, okay, well, the people that actually have money like that, they told me like, this is what they did. Like, what do you think about this? And it's like, well, no, nope. what the fuck do you know? Right. <laughs> but um all right well you know like kind of wrapping things up here because we've been talking for yeah, quite some time um i know <laughs> i think it's the longest i've ever talked to you <laughs> um what uh so like after everything that like you've experienced in life and like your experiences now and just like the, a lot of the personal growth and you know personal development that you've had along the way like if you were to meet your younger self like what are like in, like the oldest you are when you meet yourself is 18, but you can be even younger if you wanted. Like, what would you tell um, a younger Kelsey about like life in general and just like about like what, what there is to look forward yeah, to? Yeah, I think that I would tell her to take more risks, um, make more educated yeses. I think that I would tell her, her to explore um, new things more frequently, get out of her comfort zone a little bit quicker. Um, and I think overall, just, I think I would just really communicate how important it is to really, truly figure out who you are as quickly as possible and not be afraid of if that person is different than what you're expecting. Um, I, I think that I got lucky where I, I've, I've known who I was for a really long time and it hasn't really wavered that much. Um, but I, I wish that I was open to learning about how when shit hits the fan, it's okay to let it be a shit storm and, and things will work out versus stressing about it, worrying about it, overcompensating for, for things, making rash decisions, having no patience to figure out what's going to happen. Um, you know, those are all things that I've, I've done over the last like two years now, probably I've just been trying to be more patient with myself and, and those around me and say, like I said, an educated yes to a lot more things, especially when it comes to like job experiences or traveling or like if someone was to right now, I'll be like, Hey, do you want to go to Cabo next week? I would probably say yes. Or if someone was to be like, hey, do you, yeah. I have this really cool job opportunity. We're going to be gone for six months in a, in an interesting area doing X and Y. And if it was something that was really interesting to me and could, you know, develop my personal and career, I'd probably say yes. And I think people saying no because they're scared of things is, is detrimental to their, to their growth. And I think, you know, if I looked back on some of the stuff that I said no to, I, sometimes I, I do wish I had said yes. 
I love it. I love it. So, and lastly, what, um, what's, uh, what's, what's upcoming for you? You have your MBA and then what yeah, else? Yeah. So I have been interviewing at a few strategic communications firms. Um, I just uh-huh. started reapplying for work at the beginning of March, um, just because I wanted to make sure that I was going to be graduating at the end of April. Um, and this is my last semester, so I am on track to graduate. I just wanted to like, make sure there wasn't any hiccups in like class scheduling or anything like that. Um, mm-hmm. cause I would hate to promise to a company that it'd be done April, April 30th and then not be done. So, um, just started reapplying to a bunch of places, started gathering some interviews, actually I have one tomorrow. Um, and then I have been in communication with my old firm. Um, it's looking pretty hopeful that I, I probably will be returning back to work, which is the end goal for me. I, I just was so obsessed with my, my career and, and my boss and my team. And just like the work that we are doing that I would, I would really love to go back. But like I said, I'm interviewing to do other creative things as well. And if, if things kind of navigate me towards that, I'm, I'm interested in taking a new opportunity and, and learning a new thing and, you know, diversifying my resume even more, even though it's actually diversified at the moment. So um, yeah, I think that's kind of what's next. I'm, I am taking it a little bit more day by day versus month by month now, um, because I have been putting a mm-hmm. lot of pressure on myself recently to make sure I was been finishing and you know getting my job quickly and the summer's coming up so I just want to make sure that I'm you know still enjoying myself and putting that work-life balance at ease and you know making sure that I am making the the right educated decision the right educated yes yeah absolutely and now um do you have any trips upcoming because I know you were just in yeah, Utah um I in was Cali. in Utah I was in Denver and I was in Cali I am probably planning a trip to Florida soon my grandparents and cousin and aunt and uncle all just moved down there within the last year and I haven't gone to see them yet so probably this this spring sometime I'll I'll head down there and and do play some golf but other than that right now I I plan on spending a lot of time up the river the St. Lawrence River up in in New York so nothing too nothing too crazy at the moment yeah we uh I was with um Josh last night and we were FaceTiming Grace because every summer we do like a uh, a summer trip and I think this year we're going to go to oh, Tampa. Oh, sweet. Yeah, so. that's where we're going to, to Clearwater, which is right outside of Tampa. So Yeah, that's maybe exactly we should, like where we maybe started Maybe we should looking, all do it but... together. We can go on a big a big thing. Yeah, so we're thinking, because we've, we've always done uh, Grace's birthday, like just because her birthday is June 15th. So like we've always done it um, like right around then. But like <laughs> we, Esther's always like, yo, what the fuck? Like when can we do it for my birthday? Because her birthday is yeah. in July. So like even though even though we haven't talked to her about it yet. And I, I doubt she's going to listen to this, but by the time she does, we'll, it'll already be out. But I think like um, for her birthday and I think it's July 24th, I think that weekend, cause her birthday's on a Saturday this year, we're going to try to get a, try to get a condo or try to get a spot in Clearwater. Oh, so yeah. if you want to come, more than welcome. I think the one thing I think is that same weekend, I could be wrong is the Lake Plaza tournament. Oh, I are think, you playing in that? yeah, I think it's the same weekend. Um, but yeah, I am playing in that. Um, I'd have to look up the dates again, but we just we just got our team kind of together. I haven't I have to figure out what the dates are. I know it's in July sometime. I thought it was at the end of July, but we'll figure that out. Another conversation yeah, for another so, day. Absolutely. And if the uh, and if it's not the same weekend, uh, yeah, love no, to have you. Sweet. So, but but then again, thank you for doing this. I greatly yeah, appreciate thank you for having it. me on. It's been it's been awesome. I love catching up with you. I know. So um, I'll let you know. I'll probably post this. Um, honestly, I'll probably post this 
either Friday morning or Saturday morning. It just depends because, like, it's a pain in the fucking ass, like, editing these. (laughs) But, but, I mean, like, I enjoy it because, like, I could talk to people and catch up with people. And then on top of it, like, you know, like, I I just learned a lot about you. Like, I did not know half the shit we talked about. Well, I'll have to interview you next time. We'll do a reverse. Next time, next time okay, we go on the yeah. podcast, we'll yeah, do, we can do that. You. Yeah, yeah, of that. course. Or if I can get down to Baltimore yeah. before no, that. No, I love that. So. That'd be awesome. Yeah, yeah. So, all right. Well, I appreciate it. So, it's always a pleasure you to catch too. up you with you. You have a great week. Bye, dude. Yeah.